This is Beyond the Bin. I'm Abby Marsh. And I'm Shabazz Sufi. And this is the podcast for real conversations about the future of the waste industry and what we can do together to protect the environment and strengthen our local communities. Hey, Beyond the Bin listeners. Thanks for joining Shabazz and I for another episode. Today, we get to talk about how some of our landfills are transforming into more than just your typical landfill site. They're actually becoming habitats for honeybees, which is pretty sweet. Totally agree, Abby. I'm super excited about today's conversation. We are speaking with Jeremy Labby, who's one of our general managers up in uh, our Coventry, Vermont landfill, as well as Charlotte Love, who's an environmental analyst uh, at our Ontario County, New York landfill. And lastly, but definitely very importantly, we're speaking with Sarah Meyer, who is one of the owners of Workers Ransom Honeybee Hive Products out in New York. And we're going to be speaking with them about, excuse the the poor joke here, what's a buzz at our landfills? (laughs) So, you know, it's a really awesome opportunity uh, that's, you know, been happening at at our inactive landfill sites uh, as we've got pollinators and bees that are... uh, being they have a habitat now right on our inactive landfill sites next to our active landfill sites and so these are a couple of the folks who have been pioneering so much of that work and they've got a lot to share with us uh, a lot to share with us about what they've been learning because this has also been a new experience for them and uh, we're super excited to be able to learn from them and and hear some of the things that you know uh, they've got to share with us and and tips and and tricks that that they've been, uh, you know, practicing and and learning themselves as they've been uh, endeavoring on this project. Yeah, it's going to be a great conversation. Let's get right into it. Well, um, Sarah, Jeremy, and Charlotte, thank you so much for joining Shabazz and I today. Thanks for for having us. Thanks. Good to be here. Some of our listeners, and I think all of us, are sort of aware that there are some challenges uh, facing bee colonies today. And uh, I was wondering if, uh, Sarah, if you want to uh, lead with that um, in terms of, you know, what's what's going on with bee colonies today and what are some of those challenges? Yeah, I can speak more um, from personal experience and maybe Jeremy may have a whole different set of challenges Um just geographically where you're located can pose uh, a few different ones. But uh, here in New York, I would say, generally speaking, and most commonly are um, the, the threat of roa mite, which is a parasite that oftentimes weakens a beehive. That's a major challenge for beekeepers and the bees to sustain their population. It weakens them to the point where the next challenge would be making it through the winter Uh, Sometimes bee health and bee nutrition, um, they're all semi-related and intertwined through the different variables of just keeping keeping a beehive healthy. If there's one factor that's weak amongst the linkages, it falls through and then another compound. So I would probably say varroa mite is oftentimes on the top of the list for posing the most challenges, but um, climate is a big piece uh, as well as other pests and diseases. Yeah, I agree 100%. I'll add to that that um, environmental factors do make uh, or break bees as well. There's a lot of different uh, systemic pesticides and other um, chemicals that we've introduced in the system that have been proven recently that are starting to show they can have a detrimental effect on bee populations. 
Uh, and, you know, bee populations are obviously critical to uh, the food and nutrition we have. Yeah, Jeremy, could you talk a little bit more about when you talk about like the introduction of chemicals, are you talking about introduction of chemicals in like the agricultural sector in like consumer products sort of where's that coming from? Yeah, from, from my experience, um, my knowledge is mostly based in the agricultural sector of what we actually use. Um, for instance, uh, you buy some really pretty flowers uh, at a flower and garden shop. A lot of times those have been treated with something called a systemic pesticide, a uh, pesticide that actually stays inside uh, the plant matter and you know continues to kill off um, different pests. Unfortunately, a lot of these pesticides are also very detrimental to the bees because the bees actually can pick them up and bring them back to the hive. Uh, and introduce them to the rest of the hive. Sounds like, you know, these struggles are, it's it's environmental and some of this stuff is newly introduced um, and we just have to keep on being cognizant of, you know, new things that we're introducing into into the environment here. You know, when we look at, you know, the work that you're doing, Charlotte, um, at the landfill, you know, can you highlight again just what the plan is for building on those efforts and um, how do we build on the engagement efforts too, right? I know you'd mentioned about a particular program, maybe with like with kindergartners or school kids coming. Um, what is what does the future of that program look like there? So part of what we did this summer, which is actually my favorite part of our project, is that we found a swarm on the working face and we relocated it, or Sarah did actually, uh, <laughs> to a local organic farm. And, you know, the general manager had two choices, you know, either exterminate them or get Sarah to move them um, because it was a safety concern for the staff down at the working phase. So then the next month, the general manager at our recycling facility called me and said he had a beehive in the wall of the old recycling center and that, again, it was a safety concern for his employees so Sarah helped me find some local beehive extractors because um, it's pretty technical. It involved cutting through the wall uh, to <laughs> remove that section of wall and remove the hive. And I think if we keep promoting that, you know, members of the community do similar things when they have a bee problem, you know, in quotes, at, on their property, instead of just, you know, grabbing the raid and going for it, um, that would, I think that would make a big difference. Um, and like I said earlier, I'd really love to uh, get with some local teachers and see if kids would like to maybe be involved in perhaps rearing and releasing other pollinators that don't sting, or even be involved in a small scale plot planting of wildflowers. Um, so those are kind of the directions that we're going. Awesome. Well, I hope there's some teachers that are going to listen to this and, and get excited and reach out. I would have loved to have done that when I was in school. Like, that would have been so yeah, cool. Yeah, me too. That would have been, like, the one thing I would have, like, my best experience from school was, like, <laughs> releasing pollinators at a landfill. Jeremy, do you kind of want to go into what you're focusing on up at Coventry and what your plan for the future is? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess before I get into that, a side note is one of the most exciting times of the year here is monarch time in my family's house with my three kids because... They love rearing and releasing monarchs, so oh, it's yeah. uh, a, quite a great experience, and I think more people should do it. But what we do, um, 
at our facility and, and many that we're starting to do across the company is try to create that habit that we've been talking about uh, to foster uh, healthy environments for pollinators. So uh, some of the efforts we've done as landfills are built and landfills are closed, a lot of areas uh, to Charlotte's point need to be seeded. Uh, so instead of, um, you know, to get a, a jump start, we'll actually create a seed mix that includes specific native pollinator species in it. So that way we don't just have to wait years and years and years or look for the prettiest grass. We want something that actually is functional for those pollinators and also the birds and other wildlife that will inhabit the area. Um, so even in, in Vermont this year, we've put in, I think we've put close to 35 to 40 acres of this seed mix down uh, as we're building things out. And, and uh, our bees, <laughs> they were going crazy this year, even it was our first year <laughs> because we had plenty of pollinator available. Can you also like mention something about like a flow hive? Like, oh, that's right. Yes. You have to mention that. That is like Yeah, so I completely cool. forgot. I apologize. <laughs> so um, there's a, a new hive. It's been out for a few years now. It's called a flow hive. Um, and, and you could check it out online, F-L-O-W. It's a, it's a great hive setup where you can actually, uh, one, you can extract honey right from the hive without taking the hive apart or taking this what we call honey supers off the top. So it's less invasive to the bees. So you can actually have a jar behind the beehive collecting honey. And the bees don't even really care. They're just going about their thing, you know, their, their, their daily activities in the front of the hive. Uh, and it's all clean and it's ready to go. And the second thing is it's also got clear sides so you can use it as a demonstration hive. So you can actually see the bees uh, working inside the hive. I, I think another thing that um, we didn't touch upon is that we've got uh, Charlotte and Jeremy you're, and, and Sarah, you're part of like a, like a bee consortium at the company, right? Because yeah. we've got a couple of these... <laughs> pollinator projects. And so um, I guess that sounds, uh, could you talk a little bit about, you know, when that formed and how that's been going and what sort of things you guys are sharing across, you know, the, you know, the different parts of the company? Well, like I said earlier, we actually got our hives from the Chemung County landfill. Um, There was, we had a great staff member who started the project and she had, I think, five hives and then she left the site, and so there was no one there to care for the hives. So they called me and said, hey, you know, do you want to come get these hives? So I called uh, Cornell Cooperative Extension, who uh, found Sarah for me, and we both drove down to Shemung, and we discovered that three of the hives were actually still alive, and the landfill manager wanted to keep them there. So she actually... Uh, revived and rehabilitated those hives that needed some TLC and made several trips down there throughout the winter to keep them alive. And then she helped us pack up the other two hives and bring them back to Ontario. And then this May, uh, we constructed them and seeded them with the nuke, which is the package of bees you can buy with a queen in it. And um, kind of just went from there. So we wouldn't have bees if it wasn't for our friends down in Shemung. Yeah, it's really cool to see that that network of, uh, you know, of our different landfill sites are working together and sharing practices and, and actually physically sharing hives too. That's really awesome. Yeah. The other thing that we're excited about is the potential momentum this will create for um, whether it's, it's beekeeping or other kind of initiatives uh, to help with the natural environment around our facilities. I think uh, beekeeping is a great opportunity for us. It's a it's something that we should be doing at multiple sites, and we are. And I think mm-hmm. if we can keep this kind of initiative going, uh, you know, as a greater good, we're going to be creating 
opportunities for these areas that we own and we operate uh, to create more benefit than just managing uh, materials and waste materials and recycled materials and other materials for people safely and soundly. We're also creating other environmental benefits, which is a win-win. Yeah, I think yeah. the biggest yeah. complaint I hear about landfills is the large footprint they take up. So, you know, if you can say there's life after the landfill, or even in Jeremy's case, during the landfill, because he plants, um, right, the active part you still use um, wildflower plantings for. So I think it's kind of neat if you can go back and tell people, well, no, it's not wasted space. It's actually kind of being used as sanctuary now. Right, yeah. which is so cool. And Jeremy, you also have fruit. Do you have fruit trees and um, blueberries? Yes. Yeah, so the other thing, I mean, you think of landfills inherently, there's a lot of space they're taking up, but there's a lot of space around these facilities that we call green space um, that doesn't usually get utilized to its fullest extent. So we decided to start a small initiative here in Vermont um, to create a fruit garden, a community garden, which is actually where the bees are as well. Um, that has apples and blueberries and raspberries and other native species like elderberry um, that, you know, the community can come and harvest and pick and eat. Uh, and, uh, and also kind of at the same extent, we can hopefully, as we grow this and, and it's, it's in its early stages, we can use it as an outdoor classroom for students to learn mm. about agriculture, to learn about, because we're in the dairy industry, so maybe we can implement some of that and to learn about beekeeping as well or, or other initiatives that we decide to have. That's so great. Yeah, I wanted to add just a little bit to the marketing piece. Um, I, I One thing that I use, because a lot of people have a fear factor um, or just some sort of like even possibly an allergy to bees, but definitely a curiosity um, or an, it's an, an intrigue to beekeeping or just generally pollinators. But I think what's been really great in terms of marketing or engaging with the public is offering like social social media interactions and live videos. I know I've posted some photos of the Casella hives uh, over the time period that I've worked with uh, Charlotte, but even through my workers ransom Facebook page, it offers an opportunity for people to have a view of the real life experience a beekeeper sees in a, a different light, I guess. And I'm not sure if Jeremy uses the social media out of his location, but I have found that to be a great way to engage at least via stinging insects, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. a great way to teach people about pollinators and beekeeping and what's happening, what's in bloom, um, and what they can do at home to support pollinators. Well, it's kind of funny when, I don't know, I could tell a little story. When I first met Charlotte, um, she wasn't, she she had sought me out to do this task of helping, you know, out with the bees, but she hadn't any experience of her own. And in that she was going to be the project manager, I could tell she had a curiosity and she had never been stung before. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so I kept on encouraging her to put on the suit, uh, come on out with me, but put on the suit. She's like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> and um, I hate the suit. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but, um, Learn but, to love the suit. <laughs> <laughs> but even during our uh, little audio visit, uh, you know, I, I did conduct an inspection that day, but I just love uh, Charlotte's enthusiasm and quite confidence in the, in the bees that they will like her as much as she likes them. <laughs> and uh, she she did not get stung during our, our high visit, but I really do love it when she's out there with me because I know she's doing something that maybe uh, she's a little uncomfortable or um, 
with or doing, you know, just doing something we've never done before. And you have a curiosity, but there's a risk. (laughs) And um, I love it that she comes out there with full enthusiasm, open mind and uh, no fear, (laughs) no fear at all. (laughs) Uh, And and the the bees have behaved uh, with that audio lowering down. And um, it was just a really good adventure together. (laughs) Yeah, I think also, you know, I guess that's an awesome shout out to to Charlotte, just in terms yeah. of, you know, you're really sort of taking the bull by the horns there. But also, we just want to give a shout out to you, Sarah, um, you know, and to Workers Ransom, because this has been such a cool, fruitful experience yeah. that I know has happened out in out in New York. Well, this has been a lot of fun, guys. Is there any does anyone have any like last things I'd like to say or? I would just say thank you for coordinating this. And uh, yeah. it's been really um, a nice side to um, the beekeeping, complimentary, um, just a lot of great communication and networking amongst you guys. And thanks yeah. for having me it's as part so of your fun. consortium. Yeah, <laughs> it's been so nice yeah. to meet you and get to work with you. So what did you think of our conversation with Sarah, Charlotte, and Jeremy? I thought it was really interesting the way that we learned from from Jeremy uh as well as Charlotte that and and Sarah who's been doing beekeeping for 6 or 7 years now that landfills you know while closed landfills are typically seen as you know unusable space that just need to be managed um, you can also use that space for sort of an ecosystem benefit for pollinators and bees so it's really cool to be able to see a piece of land that's you know been deemed as defunct as something that actually still has a long-term value for it, uh, for something, you know, really valuable to our ecosystem and not only to our ecosystem, but, you know, as humans, we're part of that ecosystem. So, yeah, it was, um, it was a really fun conversation to have with them. And I definitely um, learned a ton. And I think um, our one takeaway for you this week would be um, that you don't have to be a beekeeper to play your part. You could um, buy wildflower mixes that help improve the bees ecosystems and you can also do the um get the little bee waterers too so there's like little things that you can do at home that you don't necessarily need to be a beekeeper to make an impact on these bees ecosystems yeah that's a great way to put it abby i think you know if if uh anything tells that story the best it's that you know here we are in you know the recycling waste industry and we're being able to play like our little part here in helping that yeah. ecosystem. And so I love that, you know, there's all these tips for people um, outside of our industry and within our industry to be able to, you know, help that ecosystem and habitat. Um, so yeah, this is was a really fruitful conversation and excited to, to see what this inspires uh, amongst our listeners. So thank you everyone for listening and we hope that you'll check out the next episode.